Welcome to this week on Rank It. Brady, what are we ranking this week? Yeah, okay, so this week we wanted to do something topical to Project X, which is the movie we watched for the normal podcast this week. One thought that we had was that we could do uh, the biggest and best parties in movie history, but we thought, you know, we might tweak it a bit. Instead, because Project X is about teenagers or young people trying to break free, we would do our favorite iconoclasts in movie history. People who kind of exist to kind of uh, exist outside of the system, behave in ways that are different that society expects them to. And uh, yeah, we thought that would be, and it would also be our first time using a character for our list instead of the movie itself. So these are our favorite iconoclast characters. Okay, so my number seven would be Edward Scissorhands from the title of the same name. Okay, Ed. Why, why Edward Scissorhands? I mean, like, that guy's awesome. Like, he's just, like, an innocent kind of created guy who is totally innocent, uh, doesn't even have the heritage of normal humans, and um, somehow, just even in his delicateness, he was still damaging to some people because uh, just of the fact that he didn't have real hands. And when he was given real hands, he destroyed them. Just by trying oh, is to he use given them. real hands in that movie? Yeah, well, the whole thing is like that the guy gave him real hands, but like he has these blade hands, so he tried to take the real hands from the master, and he fucked up the real hands when he was because of his blade hands. Okay, I, I guess I need to see this again. Yeah, that, or maybe that was just a symbolic, symbolic dream or something like that about his state in the world. I mean, I know that's was the subtext of it, but I was under the impression that it literally happened. Yeah, I mean, it's a like very subtextual past. movie. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number seven. Okay, uh, for my number seven, there are a lot of guys who should be on here who are missing, and I went and talked to them. I went and I talked to Cool Hand Luke, and I talked to Randall P. McMurphy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and they were like, yeah, now listen, we've had our time around the block, and we've been really fundamental in presenting badass figures who rebel. We want you to pick some young blood so that they can have some time in the sun. I was like, well, that's really decent, Paul Newman and Jack Nicholson. Thank you. And so what I decided was to pick... Uh, so wait, which one were you doing just now, Paul? Paul uh, that Newman was Jack Nicholson. Jack? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> a Paul Newman Didn't voice... Didn't quite sound like a Jack. A Paul Newman voice is too subtle to do. Uh, and so I'm going to pick a young one from a movie from this year. I'm going to go with Sutter Keeley from The Spectacular Now. Uh, and I'm picking it because it's a movie about high schoolers. This character, Sutter Keeley, is a popular guy type. And uh, he ends up dating what in any other movie would be a nerdy girl next door type. But it's really about a, a movie about seeing high schoolers outside of the boxes of, of strict you know, definition. Of seeing beyond things like popular guy or girl next door. And you know what happens when that happens? What happens? <laughs> Spring Breakers happens. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so I'm doing it for that reason. And also it's a big vote of confidence for Miles Teller, who reminds me of a young actor who's going to appear uh, later on this list. And I'll I'll be sure to mention it then. But, yeah, so Sutter Keeley. appear by you or by me? Uh, for me. Maybe from oh. you. I don't know. Oh. 
Uh, oh, okay. That's your number seven. In fact, he's appearing next now that I'm looking at the list. Well, yeah, but I get to say my number six before you get to say yours. Oh, yeah, yeah. So not next. Not next. Next for me. Uh, my number six is um, the character played by Jimmy Stewart, whose name is Ransom Stoddard. Cool. I came up with it like with my with my verbal stalling. The name came out before I had to go. Uh, I don't know his name. Um, no, Ransom Stoddard in uh, the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, a man very much a fish out of water and a man striving to bring order to an orderless world. Uh, yeah. It was no, yeah. Sometimes iconoclasm with the help of John Wayne and Pompey managed to bring everything to the right way that it is now. Which I'm sure we all agree that the way things are now are the best way they could ever possibly be. Couldn't be perfected. Yeah. And that uh, if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have things like government that works perfectly, etc. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, so my number six is the aforementioned spiritual forebear to Sutter Keeley in The Spectacular Now. It's a guy who's popular and yet is also colored in a way that makes him nuanced and smart. And really, because this is the point of this list, they exist to f- uh, shake their fist at a system that would try to box them in as just this kind of popular guy. And that's Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The young Matthew Broderick coming, I think, right off of Broadway and like a bolt out of the blue doing this role. I don't know if he's ever been as good as he was in this role, but yeah, Ferris Bueller, there are different kinds of iconoclasm. That's what I was trying to say about Jimmy Stewart. Like, I like that you have a character who's not a punky dude. He's just doing the right thing. And Ferris Bueller is also a different kind of iconoclast because there's no negative vitriolic attitude to him. He's just like, whatever, I'm going to have fun. And uh, I'm charming enough that people will see that my way is a good way to go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Ferris Bueller, I think, is an excellent iconoclast, an iconoclast of the most breezy sort, and I think we need more of those. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Ferris Bueller, man. When Cameron was in Egypt's land, let my Cameron have you go. <laughs> have you heard of the idea that maybe Ferris Bueller didn't exist and that uh, Cameron just made him up? Yeah, you like a Tyler Durden. I kind of, I like it. I, I think that's a fun idea to play with. Yeah, quite right. A right? self-actualized uh, alter ego. All right. Well, my number five is um, Jim Stark from Rebel Without a Cause. I wish I'd seen it. I need to see uh, James Dean. Period. I haven't seen any James Dean. Yeah. Well, the death of Plato is a very heavy thing. As a kid, I loved playing with Play-Doh. Always smelled weird. Wait, isn't Play-Doh the name of the character that dies in Rebel Without a Cause? (laughs) I told you, I've never seen it. I know, but I don't see his name on the cast here. I think maybe that was his nickname or something. Maybe. Am I totally confusing the movie with something? Well, whatever. It's James Dean's character in Rebel Without a Cause, which I've seen, and the dude named Play-Doh dies. But he's not on the cast list on the damn IMDb, so I'm confused. Um, anyway, Brady, what's your number? Yeah, does, I'm sorry that I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, my number five. Uh, now, 
there might be another kind of character that fits into this mold, and I'm talking about a person who really exists. Even though in this movie he's played both by himself and also by an actor, by Paul Giamatti. I'm going with Harvey Picar, the man uh, who was a good friend of the artist uh, Robert Crumb and who just worked a day-to-day shift as a hospital records manager in uh, Cleveland and uh, decided to come up with his own comic strip that didn't focus on superhero stuff but more on the complexity of the life of the average Joe. And so this guy, this guy flew his freak flag. He was an iconoclast by being an average Joe continuing to work as an average Joe, and he's actually recently passed, so rest in peace, buddy, uh, by doing that, but daring to show people that there was something really beautiful and complex and interesting and poetic to the life of uh, an average day-to-day worker. Uh, so yeah, uh, Harvey Picar is an iconoclast who actually existed and who deserves a tip of my cap. Uh, really cool guy. Cool. Yeah, Harvey Picar is a good one. Didn't think of that. Uh, my number four is uh, Hunter S. Thompson and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Are you on four or are you on five? Or wait, you went first, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you just did five. Yeah. So that's my four. So anyway, uh, that would be uh, Hunter S. Thompson's character in that movie, uh, expertly played by um, um, that dude who's not that famous, but I mean. People seem to know who he is. What's his name? Johnny uh, Dapp. Jo- yeah, Johnny Dapper. Dapper. Dapp. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, 21 Jump Street. Um, and he plays that guy, Hunter Thompson, very well. And uh, just a man out there looking for the American dream, man. He's just like trying to. No, yeah, for sure. I really like that movie, and I'm sorry it's not going to make my list, but it's my favorite Depp performance. Oh, Still really? my favorite after all these years. Huh. Still my favorite after all. <laughs> it sounds like a coffee commercial song. Still your favorite after all these years. Folgers. Still your favorite after all these years. The first part of waking up is still your favorite in your cup. All right, so yeah, I guess that's good enough for me for <laughs> describing why that's my favorite. All right, uh, my number four, I was going through this list, and when I thought of him, he was originally slated for number one because I think this guy is such a cool, explores iconoclasm this entire movie, actually, and is also a real-life figure, and that is uh, T.E. Lawrence, the uh, British soldier who went into uh, the heart of Arabia when Arabia and Turkey were in a standoff, and basically the tribes of Arabia were very disparate, and he... He was this white man who just kind of thrived in the desert and organized all these tribes of Arabia to come together. And it's a sad story in the end. He he fails in a way. So it's kind of about a little bit about the emptiness of iconoclasm. Like sometimes you rear your head against everything and you rampage and then you reach a point where there's nowhere else to go. Another good example that won't make this list is uh, Benjamin from The Graduate. Uh, but I think that's a you know an interesting dark side to iconoclasm. And I think T.E. Lawrence is a man who, uh, a really interesting figure who just wants to exist as something other than what has been defined for him. My number three is Jack Sparrow, another deaf character from Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, it's the kind of character that you just root for. You root for him because from, from the get-go, you meet him on a sinking ship. I mean, like, and then that just... It's kind of like uh, Walter White... Ooh, that would have been a good one to pick. Damn. Um, 
in in Breaking Bad where like you know he's being told that he has cancer in the first scene and he's staring at a mustard stain and just because that's how you're introduced to him that well that that's like a fucking beat upon high school chemistry teacher but um just because of that like you're just with him the whole time from then on no matter how questionable his whateverness is however Depp perf- uh portrays it in such like a, a fun and like sporadic light that uh, you, you, you can't help but root for him because you get the uh, sense that uh, that gentleman has never planned a thing in his life, but everything just works perfectly. Yeah. So that's my number three. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say, like, I don't think either of us love all the movies past the first, but I like that kind of iconoclast who's, you know, <laughs> it's just such a casual tossed off kind of uh, rebelliousness. It's not like done with any. The only rules are these: what a man can do and what a man can't do. So. Yeah, no, he's he's the freewheeling Jack Sparrow, is what he is. Yeah, kind of like the freewheeling Bob Dylan, although I don't feel like he was as freewheeling as he would lead us to believe. Now, okay, so speaking of which, as I approach my number three, I'm sensing a pattern in those I've chosen. I've left off a lot of iconoclasts that I really like who have this more overt and purposeful punk spirit. Like, their purpose is to rail against the system, and I'm all for that. But I have a lot of characters on here who who do it in quiet ways just by being themselves. And it's the system that is trying to keep them from being themselves. And one great example of that is the dude from The Big Lebowski, my number three. Uh, It's not that, like, he doesn't have any feelings of vitriol, no negative emotions. He's just trying to exist the way that the dude wants to exist. The dude abides. It's the system around him that can't deal with him being uh, who he is. And so, uh, yeah, what can I say? The the Coen brothers' fascinating, hilarious, noir mystery set in L.A. is is one of the most <laughs> great, subtle, iconoclast stories of recent times. So it's the dude, man. So my number two is Lester Burnham from American Beauty. Cool. American Beauty was an awesome film. It basically fleshed out the topics set forward in Frank Zappa's Brown Shoes Don't Make It and uh, turned that into a full-length movie in an expert way. My friend uh, Brian Bauer, Chunk, who may call into the podcast one of these days, um, was actually in the background of both a scene in the film and a scene that's in the preview. Wow, so I did not know that. Yeah, actually, I posted a picture of him on his Facebook in the background and like, circled him. So uh, wait, what scene was that? I'm so curious now. It's the scene with the dancing and where the parents are sitting in the bleachers. Oh, in the basketball scene? No shit. Yeah, yeah. He's he's That's just cool. in the bleachers because they shot all the reaction shots at one point in time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he's just like talking to some girl. He, Brian says she was kind of really boring, uh, but that he was talking to her because they had to seem like they were talking to someone. Right. Yeah. For the like background shot. Yeah. He was also uh, hanging out in the mall when they were shooting um, uh, Jackie Brown in that mall in Torrance. Dang. Brian, man, you have gotten to sit in on some great films. Yeah. Crazy. Indeed. So anyway, Lester, um, man going through a midlife crisis, or crisis, if you will. I mean, crisis is a great word, although it doesn't mean the same thing as crisis. It sounds fun to say, so maybe I'll say it a couple more times. Crisis, crisis, crisis. Anyway, um, when he does that, 
he uh, kind of immediately puts himself at odds with the systems that he's lived in and built for, you know, the greater part of his life. And because of that, um, basically has to shatter all those rules in order to get away from it because uh, that's what he desperately wants is not to be stuck into this thing where there's more than the eye typically sees as you delve deeper. What's your number two, Brady? All right, so my number two, you know, I know I mentioned earlier that the Lawrence, to, uh, the Lawrence of Arabia iconoclast is interesting to me because things don't completely go his way. That said, like, he kind of gets to have his cake. I wanted to touch now for my number two on a real-life iconoclast from a documentary who things just don't go well for at all. And I'm putting this in partly because I don't think you can talk about iconoclasm and not have a Werner Herzog movie included. So I'm going with the real-life Timothy Treadwell, the man who spent 13 summers in the Alaskan wilderness with bears, convinced convinced himself at least that he could interact with bears, that he had a connection that others didn't have with uh, them. I'm still confused about how they could have made a documentary where he gets eaten. Do they have footage of him getting eaten? They have everything up until it. They have literally t- up until two hours before. Oh, okay, I see. Um, it, it's a great movie. Because normally the, if somebody's getting eaten in front of you, you help them, right? They, you don't film it. There is audio of the, the awful tragedy happening. We don't hear it. We watch Herzog hear it. Oh, wow. Um, and it's about a man like this is the darkest possible side of iconoclasm. It's about a man who finds spiritual redemption in tracing this own path for himself. And like he saves himself. He comes out of alcoholism. He was an addict. He almost died from being an addict and then dedicated his life to bears. But the thing was, it was an addiction of its own sort. And so in a way, he broke free of alcoholism and pursued his own destruction in this more natural way that was completely his. So it's it's almost more about an iconoclast choosing how they want to die. Uh, it, it's a great documentary, one of the best I've ever seen, uh, and I highly recommend it. Timothy Treadwell. Mystifying figure. So wait, how long did Werner Herzog follow him around? Well, not at all, really. Uh, it, a lot How of it they was get the just, footage? It was fo- well, Herzog, uh, not Herzog, Treadwell himself shot footage while he was out there because he was a big. Oh, uh, oh, Herzog took all the stuff and compiled it and made the and did some interviews on his own as well. I see. Uh, yeah, so it's partly interviews and partly Treadwell's footage because he was big with uh, educational figures. He'd go into classrooms and talk about bears, and he, I think he wanted to make his own little show about I him out see. there. Interesting. Well, my number one is Cool Hand Luke, because his only crime was nonconformity. He was cutting the heads off of parking meters, man. Not because he wanted the money, but just because, fuck parking meters, man. Fuck parking meters. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what he was doing. And uh, he got put in a prison where they try to teach you to reconform to the prison's rules. And, uh... They had a failure to communicate with this particular iconoclast. And because of that, they they just killed him. Yeah, you he know? just couldn't exist anymore. A spoilerful podcast. <laughs> it was our it's the first movie we ever reviewed for yeah. those who are tuning in. Yeah. So uh you want to listen to episode number one. Sooner or later, 
like as in this week, I will go through and number all the episodes on the website. So, ooh, funsy. So we can tell what fucking episode we're on. Because <laughs> when I realize that if I say anything above number three, it's, it's going to be kind of like you have to go back five pages and then count forward however many things. So anyway, that's my number one. My number awesome, one. Rob. That that's an excellent choice. As I said, uh, some of the iconoclasts like Luke and uh, ja- old Jack were they knew that they would appear high, and they wanted me to see t- to something a little different. And I'm proud to present. I'm glad the spirits of film talk to you. They this don't talk to me. I pray to them every day, but they have yet to respond. For the most part, an old crook like me. We only talk about titty sprinkles. Day oh. in, day out. Doesn't matter what color titty sprinkle. Red, green, blue, multicolored titty sprinkle. I love to sprinkle them on my pancakes in the morning when I eat them. And when my friends aren't looking, I like to snort them up my nose. Titty sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> that was Rob's Morgan Freeman impression. Tweet us if you like it. Um, okay, so... For my, because this is iconoclasm, this is about, like, fuck the old system, my number one, I'm proud to say, is a woman. I found a woman on this list, and her iconoclasm is of a completely different sort than any of these guys. I'm going with Poppy from Happy Go Lucky. A person uh, who, who really exists outside of the system because she flies in the face of this idea that someone who would be happy and optimistic uh, is somehow stupid or less intellectual or you know often we meet a cheery person and we just label them as a ditz and so i love poppy because poppy is a fundamentally decent happy person who through the course of the movie also wants to understand misery and in my iconoclast i like people who want to take the system apart iconoclast in my opinion the good ones are questioning everything just like well, why is this this way like Okay, why is it bad that I'm a happy person? Why are so many people miserable? Why do some people end up on the streets and others end up in penthouses? All of this is interesting. The, the disproportionate uh, spread of happiness over the world. And so I think Poppy is a true punk rebel girl. I fucking love the shit out of her. Sally Hawkins should have been nominated and won that year. And she is my number one iconoclast, baby. That's a good number one iconoclast to have. I'm glad you picked the lady. Yeah, no, no. As soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's she's my punk. She is my favorite punk. Yeah, I just realized I could have picked, uh, what's her name, from Smithereens. What's, wait, what's Smithereens? That's a, like a proto-punk film. I remember watching it. Hmm. I vaguely recall. But That's not. cool. Oh, also, um, Show Me Love, the two main protagonists in Show Me Love uh, were both iconoclasts. Uh, so these are some honorable mentions that I'm thinking of after Brady. Oh, yeah. Can I give some honorable mentions? Yeah, especially because yeah, some it. appeared on yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mention to Cool Hand Luke, Randall P. McMurphy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Hunter, Jack Sparrow, Lester Burnham, and also another documentary choice, Monsieur Philippe Le Petit, who uh, walked on a wire in between the two trade towers back in the 60s. Uh, really oh, yeah, cool I've heard punk. about that. Also... Um, uh, uh, Wally, who showed that a cleanup robot could actually save the human race as well. Word, word, word. And uh, Johnny Five from Short Circuit, who <laughs> was the pre- he Circuit. was the prototype of Wally, but he showed that a robot could be conscious, not just a robot. 
not just a mindless drone, much like Wally. Um, and let Los Locos kick your ass. Yeah, uh, well, Los... Yeah, I guess it is Los Locos. Los Locos kick your ass. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space. Yeah! Yeah. Also, Ariel from uh, Little Mermaid. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she wanted to be like a human chick and go be with the human dude. Yeah, totally. And then also... um, uh, Was it Muriel from Brave? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, no, no, not Muriel. It's, oh, God, why am I blanking on this? Probably because I said Muriel. <laughs> yeah, Mur- Muriel is a real head fuck. No, no, it's uh, Mer- Merida. Merida. That was close. Yeah, well, Merida's a real uncommon yeah, name. Y- yeah, I just I just mixed that name with the name of the previous one I was mentioning, Muriel. Uh, Merida, right, Merida from Brave. Melisandre from Game of Thrones. Yes, yes. She she is the Red Woman, and uh, most people don't like the religion of the Red Woman. In fact, all people but the Red Woman. And so, yeah, that's a good one, too. Ygritte. Wait, wh- who's Ygritte? Uh, Jon Snow's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but she's a little bit of a manic pixie winter girl. She's just like, Jon Snow! You shouldn't be such a tight ass Jon Snow. You know Let's nothing, have some John winter Snow. Six. Yeah. You know nothing, Jon Snow. Well, that's a good one. You should do her voice sometime. Manic pixie tundra girl. <laughs> yeah, I- Igret. Um, I, I what's like the name Igret. of the person? Emily Rose or Rose Emily? Oh, I don't know the actress. Uh, She's like cute that. though. She's a cutie. Yeah, if you're listening, you're a cutie. We both think you're a cutie. Um, Probably in England. Anyway, let's uh, finish up and just call that an end to uh, rank it. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Rank it. Bitch! <laughs>